Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod, here to discuss Michigan State's demolition of the Stony Brook Seawolves 99-55 at the Breslin Center. First off, a big thanks to Stephen Mead, who became a Scott Skiles supporter of the show on Patreon. We really appreciate it, Stephen. If you want to show your appreciation and contribute to what Rod and I are doing here, head on over to thefinalfoursonthescheduler.com slash support to find ways to contribute. A lot of storylines in this game, Rod. Another good offensive and defensive effort in the first half where Michigan State just overwhelmed the Seawolves, 48-12 in the first half. Uh, career highs for scoring for Jaden Akins with 22. Xavier Booker had 11 and also had career high in rebounds with 7. First career assist for Steven Izzo to Nick Sanders, who had his first career three-pointer to close the game. Michigan State ended up shooting almost 60% from the game, 38.5% from three. 33 assists on 38 field goals, which was actually just three short of a team record. And the five guards had 31 assists and five turnovers. So not a bad performance tonight. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of good things. Um, I think the intensity that Michigan State started the game with was really impressive. And that, you know, watching Tom Izzo's post-game press conference, I just got done watching a few minutes ago. He really gave a lot of the credit to Tyson Walker and then to some degree to A.J. Hogarth as well. But as he put it, and it was easy to see, during the opening stretch of that game, Tyson Walker, it seemed, had his hands on everything. I mean, he was just relentless. And that allowed Michigan State to really get rolling. Um, You know, and some good things happened offensively. Jaden Akins got some uh, some baskets inside the arc, which enabled him to get rolling. And then when he started to take the jumper, those started yeah. falling as well. Um, I thought that uh, to have a game where you have two guys in double digits and assists, <laughs> yeah. which Michigan State had with A.J. Hogarth and Jeremy Fears, very, very impressive. And it, it says something about this team's unselfishness, uh, how they're how they're reading things happening on the floor now, and obviously the fact that to record an assist, you know, it's necessary for somebody to actually make a shot. <laughs> so the fact that the shots are falling now, but it's all I, I think, and you saw it in this game. It's it to me the biggest thing is there's more balance with what they're doing. Um, they're getting the ball into the teeth, the defense, forcing defenses to react. Uh, They're also finishing plays around the rim. But even when they aren't, 
because defenses are forced to react to that, it means that they have better looks when they are taking jumpers. There's mm-hmm. a higher quality of shot. And something Izzo mentioned tonight, which was interesting, I think true, he said, and this has been the case for the last few games, that even when they miss a shot, it looks good. Early in the year when they were missing shots, the line he used was they looked like scud missiles. <laughs> and, and I think that's <laughs> well, that pretty, takes you back. <laughs> that's pretty, it's pretty apt, you know, for those, for those who we, we might have a handful of listeners who are too young to remember, but Scud missiles were the weapon of choice by the uh, Saddam Hussein regime in Iraq during Gulf War One, And basically the deal was they weren't very sophisticated in terms of their targeting. So they just kind of lobbed them out there and hoped they'd land somewhere around where they intended them to. Um, so it's pretty accurate. <laughs> where Michigan State's shooting was early on. Uh, not that way now. I, I just think, you know, on a, on a team basis, the defense, look, anytime you hold, and I don't care who the opponent is, any Division One team, you hold the 12 points and a half. <laughs> yeah. And then this is really, you know, if you think about it, we it's not just that they've played better in these last three games. It's that they're demolishing people. Oh, yeah. These aren't even close. In the first half. Crushing. And it's largely because of the caliber of defense. And what do they hold Baylor to? 17? Yeah. In the first half? 45-17, I think. Yeah. I don't remember what Oakland had at halftime, but it wasn't a lot. And and then in this one, they hold this team to 12. Um, uh, According to Izzo, uh, Stony Brook's head coach said that, you know, the way he felt about it was they played, Michigan State played such good defense early that it really sapped their confidence. And so then later in the half, even when they had open looks, they weren't able to make them because yeah. Michigan State had just demolished them. And they really did. Um, so I was really, really impressed with that. Um, the ball movement we talked about was outstanding. I think I think the shooting is, you know, coming on. Look, it, it felt like, they missed a lot of very makeable threes in this game, and yet they end up shooting 39%. Yeah. Not bad. You know, you'll take that. And it just continued another game of continued progress in that area. I mean, that makes four in a row because it actually includes the Nebraska loss where they've shot the three very well. And they're gradually, you know, getting into that middle class nationally in terms of three-point shooting. And... Who knows where it's going to end? You know, I mean, it still feels to me like there are some guys who have another gear that they can that they can ramp up in that area. But um, all those things were really positive. The one big negative was, unfortunately, the defensive rebounding that was not yeah. good, particularly in the second half. Um, Izzo mentioned it. It's something I'm positive they're going to be working on um, over the break when they get back from Christmas and into the Indiana State game, they're going to have to because, as we've talked about, you can get away with it in these games. You can't get away with that when you're playing Purdue or Illinois or or anybody in the Big Ten. You just can't You can't do what they've been doing defensively. Izzo made an interesting point, too, which I think is accurate based on what I've observed uh, it's not even just that they're not getting defensive rebounds. It's that 
they're not getting clean defensive rebounds. Even a lot of the rebounds they do end up with are not immediate possessions. They're ones they've really got a battle to secure. And that's not ideal. You know, you want to have clean defensive rebounds because it's those situations that allow you to get into transition more easily, right? Where you're not yeah. you're not having two or three guys trying to struggle to get possession. You just got shot goes up, it's missed, and somebody comes down with it quickly and easily and off to the races, you know? Um, individual stuff, I think, that's maybe worth touching on. You know, a lot of, lot of positives. Um, I thought, I thought AJ was really good. Yep. You know, 10 assists, two turnovers. He had three rebounds, only 12 points, but he got him. He got six very quickly in that game when they went on their run to kind of really essentially put the game away in the first several minutes. He was a big <laughs> part of that. And then he, he sat a lot because they didn't need him. And they wanted to, you know, Jeremy Fears, Trey Holloman were playing well. They wanted to give those guys minutes. AJ only ended up playing 20 minutes. So, man, that's an assist every two minutes. That's a hell of a rate. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he was four for six. He hit a three. Um, you know, just overall. I think the biggest thing to me about both he and Jeremy tonight is that they both were so under control. They didn't look rushed. They didn't get panicked. They just and you know and with the with the zone that Stony Brook showed, uh, to some extent, yeah, in this occasionally, game, yeah. Sometimes that can be sometimes that can be a hard thing to do, but I think both of those guys really were good in that way, and that they were under control. So that was important to see. Um, you know, getting back to Jeremy for a second, I mean. Uh, 10 assists, one turnover. He also had five rebounds. He only had one point. Uh, missed a couple shots in the lane that I think he'd normally make. But other than that, man, I, you just, I just continue to be so impressed by him as, as exactly what he was advertised to be. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes, and we know this, it doesn't always work out for freshmen in terms of immediately being able to make the impact that people expected. You know, we've seen that with Xavier Booker, but Jeremy Fears was billed as a guy who's a winner, a leader. He's going to guard people. He's going to run your offense, make plays for others, and he'll give you a little bit of scoring punch where you need it with the potential, I think, to do much more of that as he matures. Uh, and he's been exactly that. And he's I think he's getting better and better. You know, every time out to me, he look, I think... This this run that Michigan State's been on the last week or so, he's been a big part of that because to me he's been playing his best basketball of the young season. So really important to see that. Um, some of the other guys, Izzo mentioned that he thinks Mahdi is making strides in terms of the way he's playing pick and roll defense. I just know that Michigan State's been much more reliable with it. Yep. Um, Six points, six rebounds. Um, you know, pretty happy with him. I thought I didn't Carson Cooper, I thought had been playing really well these last few games, and I didn't think he was as good tonight. He had four points and five rebounds, but I didn't think he was great tonight, but you know, that's okay. Um 
Trey Holloman, kind of a quiet game for him, although he did go two for five from three. I Actually, I say that, and I'm looking at it, he had six, six points, re- six rebounds, six assists, no turnovers. Yeah, three sixes. I guess it wasn't that quiet. <laughs> um, once again, I mean, the, the assist-to-turnover ratios that some of these guys are putting up is really, really impressive. And, and you also have to keep in mind, Michigan State's also playing relatively fast. I mean, what did they get? They got 60, 64 shot attempts in this game. That means you're playing a pretty pretty decently paced game. And for, for these guys, all these guards, to be doing what they're doing, holding the mistakes down, really, really important. Um, uh, Malik Hall, you know, kind of hit a three, which was good. He was one for four, but... He did hit one, nine points. Um, the the best thing about Malik Hall in this game was there was a there was a possession some point in the second half where they actually had him in the middle of the zone. Right, and for the a zone, lot of yeah. this game, they were using Jeremy Fears there, who I thought was really good. Against Oakland, we saw A.J. Hogard doing it well. Mm-hmm. But the ideal scenario would be Malik Hall. And there was that one possession where they got the ball in the middle to him and he just went right up confidently with the jumper and drained it. And and he looked like a confident, assured player in that moment. And I I do think that we're going to see some Big Ten teams at least occasionally throw some zones mm-hmm. at MSU. I don't think it's going to be a steady drumbeat of it, but I think we will see it. And so it's really important that Michigan State have it sh- together in terms of how they're going to attack that. To me... The best answer is if you've got Malik Hall able to do things like that. So I was encouraged by that. And then I just wanted to mention um, the other two freshmen. Your Cohen Carr, eight points and six boards. He also had three blocks. Um, <laughs> he was active and yep. did did kind of the things we expect him to do. And then Xavier Booker, I thought, again, and we've been saying it for the last few games, I think there were more positive strides. I mean, one thing we've been we haven't been able to say about him is that he's done much as a rebounder. He had seven boards in this game. He had seven he the boards team. and and right and three blocks. Really did a nice job. And I thought he he hung in there. You know? Mm-hmm. He was they weren't cheap rebounds. They were ones where he was actually in good position. He had a he had a battle to get them and he came up with them. Now this is Stony Brook. He's going to see, <laughs> yeah. starting starting on the 30th, he's going to see a much higher caliber of opponent. But, you know, Stony Brook actually for a, and we talked about this in the preview, for a team at their level, you know, they started a 6'10 and a 7-foot guy. Mm-hmm. And those guys, you know, the 7-foot kid started his career at Stanford. So he's not a joke. Um, and he's pretty, and both of them are pretty well put together physically. So I think it was really positive for Xavier. The other thing was nice too. And he hit the three and everybody gets excited about that. And he had a lob dunk, but he had a post move that was very nice where he got himself in the middle of the lane, went straight up and hit it. That was something I don't think we've seen before from him. So defensively, no breakdowns that I can recall. Um, you know, Izzo said he's moving his feet better. He's competing a little harder. You know, the, the big thing is they want him to show more emotion. 
on the court. And I think I think that's going to be a longer process to get there. I've seen that happen where guys who were sort of stoic uh, early in their careers at Michigan State, they being in that culture does get to them eventually. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want out of him. He's not there yet because he still doesn't show much emotion. But um, I'm I'm pretty happy with what we've seen. I don't think the last week could have gone any better realistically for Xavier Booker because now he goes into this holiday, you know, a few days break, feeling he should feel very good about himself. And then he comes back, he's got something to work on. And from a Michigan State perspective, I think he's showing them enough to put a little bit of faith in him and say, okay, not that he's going to play 16 minutes, you know, in a Big Ten game, but you need to get a four-minute turn out of him. I think you feel much, much more confident in trying that now than you did 10 days ago. For sure. Uh, All in all, pretty happy with the... Just the and the men, the other thing too, I guess, before we turn to the keys, is just the mentality. You know, Izzo was talking about this a lot. He kept saying in the pregame, you know, he was referring to the Judd Heathcote rule that you see more upsets just before, just after Christmas, because guys aren't locked in the way they normally would be. And he was very worried about that. Um, we didn't see an iota of that kind of thing in this game. Michigan State came out, played with purpose, played with intensity, and they executed at both ends. So you you can't really ask for much more than than what we saw in that regard. No. And I think, you know, when it comes to the second half and they gave up 40 plus 43 points in the second yeah. half. But again, it's like, you know, you're up almost almost 40 to start with. You tripled up the uh, opponent. It's kind of hard to ma- maintain that or quadrupled, <laughs> it's 48 to 12, yeah. It's hard to maintain that sort of intensity going through. And and even then, they still expand the lead in the second half, so that you've got to feel right. good about that. They actually, yeah, I mean, is considering how good that first half was, they actually shot better in the second half, yeah. Michigan oh, State. Mm-hmm. They, shot, they shot 56% in the first half. They shot 63% in the second. And from three, they were at 33% in the first half. They were at 44%. In the second, the only thing that went backward was the free throw shooting, which I guess, you know, 11 for 17. They missed a few late that made that. They, that number was, I think they missed their last three because I believe at one point they were 11 for 14. Yep. I think uh, after right. after Mahdi hit two. And then, you know, Malik missed one. AJ missed one. They had some guys miss them. Um, other than the defensive rebounding, that's probably the only negative. All right, well, let's uh, talk about, I guess, a player Michigan State needed to keep in the gutter, brought to you by the brothers that just do gutters. Uh, if you have not at this point realized it, of course, you have to know that if you have gutter work that needs to be done, either at your home or your business, the brothers that just do gutters are the ones to call. And fantastic pricing. They are very professional, get things done quickly. They can do anything you need to do have done with your gutters. If you've got water issues, drainage problems, they're the ones to call. And especially getting into winter time, if you're starting to have all kinds of uh, build up in your gutters, it causes big icicle problems, and you can get all sorts of issues. Uh, so you want to make sure you take care of that now. You can give them a call. They're happy to do it even now when you think that the weather's wrong. It's actually right for them. So give them a call. Uh, you can get a hold of Kurt and his team on the west side of the state in the Grand Rapids metro area, or Greg and his team in the southeast side around metro Detroit area. 
very big region. So if you're in that area, give them a call. You can find their contact information in the podcast player below or on our website at the final fours on the schedule.com. Just it's in, should be in the contact information in the description for the episode. So the brothers gutters, uh, brothers, just your gutters. And the player that Michigan State needed to keep in the gutter was Tyler Stevenson Moore. And he had a uh, team high of 29 points. He was three for 12 from the field, two for six from three. Although a lot of, I think both of those came late in the game. Wait a uh, minute. Three, eight, he only had eight points. Eight points. Right. Yeah, two for six for okay. three and oh, three said, for 12 for the field. You said 29 points. It was 29, 29 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he had a team high of 29 <laughs> minutes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, three rebounds, uh, turnover, uh, just finished with eight points. So they definitely kept him. I mean, the the yeah. kid from Stanford had 10 points and he was their leading scorer. So, I mean, that, I mean, obviously, defensively, Michigan State was fantastic and really, really limited Stony Brook and, you know, Stevenson Moore from doing much of anything. Yeah, a really, really good effort. Um, you know, and, and that kid has been shooting the lights out. He's been 48% from three. They held him to two for six. There's a team that came in shooting, if you round up, 37% from three. They were held to 19%. Yeah. <laughs> so Michigan State, and they, and they took, you know, they 31 attempts. So that's about they what they averaged, right? Them. Wasn't it 41% of their um, shots or threes? And 41% that was... of their shots. Yeah, it's it's about on, on point. Less, yeah. um, I, would, I would say this. I thought Michigan State's three-point defense was so good early. You know, we talk about, well, what's the thing you can control? What you can control is limiting attempts or at the very least limiting quality looks. And I think right. Michigan State did the latter. Even though they mm-hmm. got 31 attempts up, those were not 31 good looks. Most no. of them were not good looks that they took. I mean, some of the shots they hit. Oh, I know they're some like of the few they eight made feet behind were not the line. Good shots, yeah, <laughs> they were not good shots. Those are shots you're like, all right, you want to take a 28 footer? Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's really you're going to let anybody take those shots. You know, as long as it's not Steph Curry. Um, <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really it. So I, yeah, I think Michigan state did a great job in general there, but that with Stevenson, um, he was, they, they really locked him down. Yeah. All right. We'll go move on to the five keys of the game brought to you to my nudge printing. Uh, nudge printing is a place where you should go to get your Spartan apparel or collegiate apparel. Uh, they have all kinds of great deals, super comfortable, wearable, breathable, uh, Garments, sweaters, or not sweaters, sorry, sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts, uh, screen printed, so they're high quality. They manage to get through the wash as many times as you want to put them through the wash, and they still look great. Uh, they've got all kinds of different logos and vintage Spartan uh, decals and stuff that you can't get other places, and so you want to check out their selection. It's very big collection, and they do all the shipping and stuff, and so anyway, they do fantastic work. Uh, I'd highly recommend it. It's our, my famous, my family's favorite uh, clothing. Uh, so you can check it out at nudgeprinting.com. 20% off to listeners of the show if they type in Final Four into the coupon code. That's one word at checkout. All right, so five keys of the game. We just mentioned the first one, which is defend the arc. I mean, Sony Brook shoots, again, 41% of their shots are threes, and it was about that. I don't have a calculator, but 31 out of 79 were uh, three-pointers. And uh, they did not shoot, like you said, 37%. They shot 19% for the game. Uh Barely got to ten percent <laughs> the first half by hitting one late uh, because they were they were uh, shut down very well. And that's look. I think that's as we talked about in the pregame. 
the single biggest element that can go against you if you're a favorite in games like this is the the mid-major team comes in and really hurts you from deep. It's the great equalizer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and you could see it in this game. You know, obviously Michigan State was a vastly superior team athletically. Um, they're stronger physically. You know, a lot of advantages, but. If a team can go out and make a bunch of threes, it can counteract some of that stuff. So if you're in Michigan State's position, the most important thing for you to do is to find a way to limit what that opponent can do to you from three, or at least give yourself the best chance to limit their success. And I thought MSU did that extremely well. The number two key to the game was inside out, and Michigan State once again had a lot of points the paint over 40 points again I think this was exactly 40 points uh, and obviously we mentioned yeah. 33 assists and that's obviously shows a lot of ball movement and going moving in the one thing they didn't get is a lot of fouls they had yeah 17 free throws which as we mentioned before it's um it's a team that does not foul very often we wondered if that right. was mainly because they don't guard closely and I think that's probably pretty accurate yeah yeah I think that's what we saw but but the the way Michigan State attacked it and the way Michigan State attacked the zone I was mostly happy with there were when they first went to it, they were kind of similar to the Oakland game. The first couple possessions, it didn't look smooth, but as MSU saw it, they settled in and I thought started to attack it extremely well, meaning they were getting the ball into space, into, into the gaps and forcing that zone to contract. And so you were either getting good opportunities at the rim, which they did at times, or you were getting wide open looks on kicks back out to the perimeter. So very happy with that. I think when they did try to go man, you know, Michigan State's guards did a nice job of taking, I thought, AJ very much under control and kind of locked in to the idea of getting downhill. He did that well. Um, I was just very, very happy with that. 40 points in the paint you can't complain about no. if you're MSU. So it's an, another game where they they continue that habit of finding ways to get the ball inside. And third key to the game was sustained energy, and clearly they did that. They um, yeah. came out you know, blazing hot, uh, although not shooting great in the first half, but certainly well enough and the defense carried them through and a lot of it was uh, a defense fast break points too so you know made it yeah you know made the game real easy in that sense so good good energy yeah the the energy was evident first and foremost on the defensive end and when it starts there it's it's going to be very difficult for any opponent to really get out and off to a big start against Michigan State when they are as engaged and executing as well defensively as they have been these last several games. I mean, the turnaround in that area since Nebraska has been remarkable. And it's, you know, I think Izzo may have said something about this in his postgame tonight, just that, you know, Tyson and AJ, he thinks the biggest difference has been that Tyson is now fully recovered from his flu and his hip issue. The flu issue took some weight away from him. 
And so he's back to the same playing weight he was at to start the season. He thinks that's been the single biggest difference defensively. I, I can agree that's a big part of it, but I think it's broader than that. I think A.J. Hogard looks to me like he's decided he's going to be a possession-by-possession possession defender. You know, yep. he's not going to have this. He guards for a while and he disappears. Blah, blah, blah. I think Jaden Akins has been much, much better defensively of late. Um, you know, fears and Holloman are kind of always there in my opinion, but then the, the, the front court guys, I think are playing, you know, Izzo said it, he thinks Madi is getting a lot better and getting back to where he was at, at points last season in terms of pick and roll stuff. Um, Carson Cooper, I didn't think was quite as good tonight, but he has been better lately as well. We're seeing it from Booker. I think Hall you know, didn't have a big challenge tonight, but we saw it against Oakland where he was really good against Townsend. So I think it's a team-wide thing. And when they come out with that kind of energy defensively, it's, again, it's going to be hard for teams to get off to those kind of starts that James Madison and Duke and Arizona did. Right, right. So the fourth key to the game, defensive rebounding. This was not a win for Michigan State, so... Uh, Stony Brook had a 34.5 or 34.7% offensive rebounding rate. They had, what, 16 offensive oh, rebounds, yeah. I think, out of... Uh, now, they now they had a lot of misses, but... Um, and Michigan State was 23%. Uh, and, uh, you know, there is interesting because five of those, five of their rebounds, in fact, five of their offensive rebounds and seven rebounds total overall were just team rebounds. So those yep. ones are kind of falling out of bounds. I was going to so say that. Was, that. Yep. There's a lot of... Uh, Trouble. I think State had a number of those, just like securing the ball, and sometimes even had you know three people there, and just yep. no one either collected it, gathered it with two hands. Or I'm not quite oh. sure, but so that was a little bit of a problem. It's what Izzo means when he talks about not getting clean rebounds. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in those situations and they're contested the way they've been, and you're not getting them cleanly and quickly, well, there's a good chance that that stuff will happen. And that's exactly what went on in this game. You know, you, you can look at that and say, well, it's not as bad as it appears. Okay, I, I guess, because a team rebound, at the very least, you know, you're not getting an immediate second chance to score. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're going to inbound the ball, right? But it's still a big negative. You can't, you can't have that as they get in back into Big Ten play. You just can't. I mean, if they don't tighten up defensive rebounding, you know, against a team like Purdue, for example, they're done. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't beat a team like Purdue if you can't rebound defensively better than that. So that's I'm gonna assume going to be the major point of emphasis over this next week or so. Well, whenever they get back from Christmas, I'm I'm gonna assume it's probably you know, something like the 26th, the 27th, they get back into it. Um, that's going to be a major point of emphasis for these guys is you've got to tighten up the defensive boards. Yeah, and I want to say too, and I don't have the splits for first and second half, but I felt like most of those, the, ma- the majority of the offensive rebounds were in the second half. Yeah, I think the you're first right. Half, I think it's, the, I want to say they had like, I was, 
remember looking at the board. I think they had six offensive rebounds in the first half, which isn't great, but with as many misses as they had, I mean, they missed. It wasn't they terrible. Had, they no, had like 35 misses. And so I think they're like less than 20% in the first half, but then they must have been much, much higher in the second half. And it felt yep, that way. I, I think that's accurate. Yeah. All right. So the fifth and final key of the game was push. And I think, you know, Michigan State, again, did a really good job. A team that play didn't really, you know, I say it didn't attack the offensive boards. They got a bunch of offensive rebounds, but they definitely had pretty good floor balance. But there were, you know, a number of steals. Uh, Michigan State had six steals, but 27 fast, fast break points are credited with, uh, you know, the secondary scoring, too. I think, you know, they I think they pushed it pretty well. Uh, so I was very pleased with their pace. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, and it's it's been a remarkable thing these last two games where against Oakland and then against these guys where they didn't rebound well defensively at all. And yet they were still able to play fast. And in this game, uh, as much as in the Oakland game, it's not as if they had a ton of steals either. So the easy ways you could get into transition weren't there for the most part. But yet MSU still found ways to play fast. And that's important because it's, look, it, the the faster this team can play, the better off they're going to be. I know that sounds simple, but I, I really do think it's true with this group. Um, the less labored it has to be, kind of getting bogged down into a possession-by-possession exclusively half-court game, the better off Michigan State's going to be offensively. We see it all the time, not just even the layups and the dunks, but, you know, kickouts for open threes, um, you know, secondary break stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just some, it's making it easier on yourself to score enough points. It's just, it's a simple game sometimes. <laughs> and I think to your point in the pregame, you were talking about just the quick hands and the, just the general, the better quick hands that this these guards just uh, uh, display. I mean, you could say only six steals, uh, but what's interesting about those is they were, they're all the guards who got them. And I think they all led to fast breaks. And yep. this is a team that is not, you know, Baylor, if you look at it, Michigan State had 15 steals, but Baylor was continuously trying to drive into the lane. I mean, all the time right. getting stripped. This is a team that did not really ever try and get in the lane and do, do anything. And yet there's Correct. still six steals. And so that was, I think, you know, I think suggestive that the, these are, they're just harassing the guards out of the perimeter and causing trouble out there too, which is. Which, to your point, it makes it a lot easier, you know, the pace and pushing and getting uh, some easy scores. I think that's a good point. It's the 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 number of steals that Michigan State racked up against Baylor was in large part a reflection of the way Baylor attempted to play. And you're not going to see everybody play that way. In fact, I don't know that I'm trying to think of a Big Ten team that that plays in anything close to that style. And I can't, I can't come up with one off the top of my head. I, I don't think we'll see that very often. You know, you don't see games with 15 steals very often, period. <laughs> no. You know, so you're right. That's not, it's not as if that Baylor game is the standard. But um, I still think, I guess the important part to me is Baylor, you could look at it and say, well, Michigan State did a great job on the defensive boards. They had 15 steals. So, of course, they were going to be able to play in transition. But these last two games, they didn't have the benefit, really, of either of those things going 
at a particularly great rate, and yet they were still able to play fast. So that's encouraging because it means that the guards are being insistent in pushing. They're not just, okay, it's here's an easy opportunity and we run now. It's they're looking to play fast, possession in, possession out. I totally agree. Uh, any final thoughts? Great way to go into Christmas. I think, you know, you get, and and <laughs> I always hate saying this, but it, it's true. This is actually a, a small positive in terms of things like the net. You know, that you go yeah. in and there is an emphasis on margin of victory. Yeah, blowouts, yeah. And so the fact that they were able to get this one, well, there's a cap on that to some extent, I think, but that they were able to get this one with the margin that they did is helpful. If you're going to play a game like this, that's what you want to target. You know, that's what you want to do. So, so that's a good thing. And by the way, Michigan State, the, Last I looked, they're right on the 40 line. So they're 39 to 41 the last few days. It's kind of fluctuated. Yeah. Um, this one should help a little bit. Um, but that is that is important. You know, we've talked about it. They're not going to get a ton of quality. I think there's currently four Big Ten teams four or five Big Ten teams with a higher net rating than Michigan State's. Um, Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Ohio State. It may just be those four. Um, so you don't have a ton of games you know, against teams with higher nets than MSU currently has. Indiana State, the last I looked, was 17. Yeah, they're pretty high. So that's a, and, and if Indiana State can really run roughshod through the Missouri Valley, then there could be, you know, that there could be an opportunity for that one to be meaningful as well. But, um, yeah, it's getting to that time where these things matter. Yeah, I feel like we're finally seeing a team. This is the team we thought we we're going to see, you know, for these sure. last three games, right? Like it for sure. kind of feels like the yes. guards are playing the way you expect. And, and it's, I mean, it's disappointing that it took. <laughs> <laughs> nine games yeah. to get to the point and but you know here we are hard, whatever it's hard to it's hard to understand why when you've got such a veteran group right yeah. I, I don't think i don't think Gizmo has the answer to that i don't think yeah. anybody does but that's that's how it went and so now we're you know we're a, whatever 10 11 days past what to me is maybe the lowest point I've ever, I've felt as a Michigan State fan in the Izzo era, and yeah. I'm not exaggerating. No, I no, I you. It sounded like it. <laughs> Coming out of that Nebraska game, so less than two weeks, you've gone from that to a point where I totally agree. Right now, you look at this team and you say, "This is who we expected them to be." The guards, as a group, are playing outstanding basketball at both ends. They're getting enough contributions from the front court guys, and you're seeing these freshmen start to show signs of growth so that it's easier to envision, well, hey, by, by February, you know, Xavier Booker could really help, Yeah, could legitimately help in a real game against a real opponent. 
you know. Um, so that's all great. We thought we'd see it from the from the start of the season. We didn't, but we're seeing it now. There's still enough time, obviously, for um, for this team to put itself in position. And it's entirely possible that we look back in late February and we're talking about a Michigan State team that's given a chance to do everything that we thought they could do at the start of the year. Yeah. Because that yeah. They, when they play this way, that's what they are. Oh, sure. You know, co- college basketball is a guards game. I look at some of these teams I was watching after the MSU game. I watched Indiana um, play North Alabama. And Indiana's got some injury issues, which is exacerbating it. But they have no guard play. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And the idea of Michigan State facing that team, the Michigan State team we've seen in these last three games, I think home or away, should absolutely rip up Indiana. <laughs> I don't know that it'll happen, but that's how I feel about it, watching the game, because that team has no guard play. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. Michigan, I watched Michigan the, against Florida in you know a, a double overtime game that both teams topped 100 points, so you would think that means there were some fun basketball to watch. It was the hardest watch <laughs> for a game with 200-point-plus <laughs> teams I've ever witnessed in my life. Why? Well, Florida is maybe the worst passing power six team I've ever seen. I mean, they're right there. They are horrible. And Michigan has one guy that can dribble. He's pretty good. But after him, they got nothing. I mean, yeah. they don't have another guard who can run offense. So you look at this landscape, you say, hey, Michigan State's guards play the way they've been playing. They got a chance to do everything we thought they could do. But, you know, the proof is in going out, game in, game out, and continuing to do the right things. And, you know, we've been talking the last two games about the importance of sustaining effort and sustaining energy and intensity. Well, they're two for two. Now you got to make it three for three in a much tougher game with yeah. Indiana, a good Indiana State team. And then from there you go into the Big Ten, and we all know what that means. So the opportunity is there for them. That's the bottom line. Absolutely. And you've got to be able to show you can do it on the road as well, which is the thing they haven't that done too. You know, at this point. They have not Correct. had a chance to. And so that'll be the ne- next test. I yeah, suppose, you're right. That's a, good, that's a good point is you got to go on the road and do it. That's another step. Yep. All right. Well, uh, in closing, much like last year, I'd like to briefly talk about my late son, Andy, uh, since we're going to be Christmas time. Uh, he's a great kid, huge Spartan fan. He passed away in 2018, uh, missed every day. Uh, and just, you know, if you've been around the son a few times you've uh, experienced grief in your life. So uh, whether it's a family member, a friend, a coworker, acquaintance of some sort. So, you know, just please be considerate of others. And if you're someone struggling with the grief and just know that you aren't alone, there are others obviously, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's no set time to be okay. If you are a parent or you know a parent who might be struggling with that, my wife, uh, Marcy, is a pediatrician and she set up her own podcast where she just helps parents with grief. And so they just tell their stories. And so that she has found a huge help just to her in her journey, uh, got her back to work. And uh, she's spoken to probably at this point, almost 200 uh, parents about the their experience with their, their kids and what they've gone through. 
And so there's a lot of good things to learn there. And sometimes just good knowing that you're not the only one in the world who's gone through this sort of thing. So if you think that'd be helpful to you or someone you know or care for, uh, you can check out uh, Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. You go to the website, andysmom.com. And so again, we'll close the show just like last year's game before Christmas uh, with Andy Solo in Away in the Manger from 2017. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green.